Good morning, Mayberry. We aren't going to talk about the rebranding and conflation of slavery, fallout, general racism, and class war. We aren't going to talk about PETA activists de-anthropomorphizing black people to make their points right now. We don't have time. We're going to talk about whatever I edit in next. Because I'm the producer, I'm the host, and I made this music. I'm Shift Orion, and I'm not waiting on Superman. Well, hey, y'all. Today's episode is called Your Relationships Are Activism Too." Parenthetical, ice always melts the same way. It's a mashup theme based on the titular meme, Your Relationships Are Activism Too," and the general observation that ice always melts the same way. Join me, your host, Shift, as I sit down and have a chat with Tiana J. How you doing, Tiana J? How are you? Man, I'm doing great. I, I just yeah. got out of this traffic and I'm home, so I'm feeling good. Oh, that's good. That's good to hear somebody's doing good in December, the early days of December in 2020. God. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I so rarely hear that these days. You know, I feel like I have to I have to keep my mindset. It's so many things that are going wrong, but in this moment on in where we are recording this, I am fine. <laughs> that is so great. That is so great. Earlier I had a moment with myself just a few minutes ago where I was like, bitch, you need to burn some sage. And then another thing in my mind was like, you need to hold off for a few hours because you are the toxic energy around here and you need to burn hot for a minute more. Like that's where I am at with my mood today. <laughs> okay. That awareness oh, though. <laughs> I like it. I'm trying to be clear with myself because if I am not, God help us all. Oh, these days. <laughs> yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. No, I really, I mean, I'm trying to decide what to call this episode because earlier I was saying I was going to call it ice always melts the same way, but then I feel like I need to name it after the titular meme, your relationships are activism too. And Mm. then I'm like, why pick? Why do I need to pick? I can do both and I can make one a parenthetical if I, if I want, I can do whatever I want. You can do whatever (laughs) you want. Yeah, I did some recordings earlier talking about rhetoric. I, like I'm trying to calibrate that shit, like configure, because we don't have to be like this. We don't have to be so separate and have these different, have these different things mm. to do with such simple language. Like there's, we're always going to have different ideas about things, but there's some baseline stuff that is like, well, we can't ever get anywhere with that. Like, yeah, it's like some foundational facts that we have to agree on that are facts. <laughs> Yeah, sort of. Like I had a conversation the other day. I was just looking at my phone and um, I was about to to drive my coworker home. I said something to him about like relationships are complicated because of a dynamic that ha- happened in my life. He knows that I've been celibate for some years and plan to remain celibate for a while. Like, and uh, and somehow he thought that we were going to have a conversation about like I guess you know committed monogamous intimate whatever relation he he started saying oh yeah my last relationship I didn't even really mean to get into I was like that's not what are we doing because <laughs> I started it like I start I used the word relationship in the first place so aren't we using what would be my definition but no we got to calibrate to the norm core thing yeah <laughs> yeah norm core is always trying to take up so much goddamn space uh, always trying or just by inherent nature is taking up so much goddamn space. 
what is that? What do we do with that? I mean, that's where I was like marginalized centrist because I'm using centrist really liberally. I'm just applying it really broadly where it's like synonymous with norm core to me. It can be a political thing, I guess, if you want it to be, but it's more a philosophy, right? Right. But when you talk about norm core, what what are you saying is the, like, who is norm core? What is norm core? And who, and who says what it is? It's the gravitational pull of the intersection of profound whiteness, patriarchy, monogamy, like the things that keep people kind of like boxed in, in my mind, it's like stuff that you'd find in almost any 90s movie, 2000s movie that came out in theaters, like that narrative of life, of right. like relationships where people get the notion that they can kind of decide that we're all talking about that because romance movies made it like that, I guess. I don't. Right. So then like our participation in that, like, for example, like that is the norm core, but like a lot of us don't participate in that, although we have to be educated in it, but don't necessarily see it as our personal. You know what I mean? Right. So like norm core, it's like that. It's like leaning too hard into trying to be normal. I think that's what it Mm. means to me. It's like it's like that concept that the right way of living is um, is these really kind of strict. Things that like they get to sit and be like, everything else is an alternative to this, like everything else is like another right. special kind of way. So then when you when you go to kind of have normal conversations about the implications of monogamous energy and and like you know, in society in general, but like usually it's about a personal thing with me where I'll go to be like, "Hey, the vibe of monogamy fucking with my head right now. What is going on with this shit? Why in heaven's name? Why in heaven's name am I being put It's almost like it's like this, like I'll, since I'm not in the narrative of these people's lives, they almost see me as like they can't help but objectify. They can't help but tokenize because they don't have right. a narrative for it. Right. So then right. it's like I end up in these situations where I'm suddenly like, wow, I'm being used like a sex toy. It's like a psychological kink that they're playing with. And they've got these they've got these ideas about me that feed into attention that can build between the two of them in their little vacuum that they've got to create excitement in or whatever. And like Mm -hmm. this somehow, this dynamic has played out with me three separate times in 2020 when I have had no interaction with humans, really. (laughs) I like that you uh, said like a sex toy, because I think that it definitely does, uh, you know, tickle or like, you know, scratch a, a, a very specific itch for them when uh, yeah. they kind of step into like, oh, I'm going to go over here and dabble in this. Yeah. And like, uh, like I have to live my whole life, you know, like I'm not interested in being uh, used like that, you know, like I'm not interested in being kind of put in these positions where I'm creating a uh, it, first of all, it's an inaccurate narrative that includes my avatar, basically, you know, for people to just kind of assume that they get to live their lives around around the existence of, of anything that's not that basic level of bullshit. 
Um, and it, it manifests on a spectrum too, because not every not every norm core is the same, and some norm cores look different than others. Some will look like you know an alternative lifestyle almost, like or or it'll be an alternative lifestyle, but with these caveats that kind of drag the queering of things into a into a state of like depression, like depressing the queerness out of situations. I think maybe the problem that I'm having. Mm. If I was going to put it on a thing, does that make sense? I think I'm I'm waiting for I'm waiting for it because I feel as if when it comes to uh, it's almost as if when you say like your avatar, it's almost as if because they are so much subscribed to Normcore that they can they can only see you on these outlying places as it like like a game. You know how in uh, like uh, RPG games you can kind of go off map. Yes. <laughs> and I feel like that's it's it's a lot like that. Yeah, yeah, like I'm not a part of their the main story to these people inherently and they think that I can't feel that. They think that I can't see that in the way that they discuss me and talk to me and engage me, right? Cuz it's like the levels of hot and cold that will come with a tokenizing relationship uh it's so different. Like, it's just so extreme. I feel like, I think I've experienced like a disproportionate amount of it because of years of homelessness and needing to have places where I was staying with people. I ended up in a lot of situations where some white person is in control of the resources and narrative and, uh, you know, that's the way it's going to go. Um, and so that's not currently, the exact situation I'm living through, but that informs my history with the dynamics of tokenization. And it would always end in these extreme ways where suddenly they take away like basic rights in a, in an illegal fashion. If you were like, it's like suddenly, you know, the, the fragility gets tripped and we're no longer having like a, it's not just a discomfort. It's not a mutual discomfort. There's something about. Like a power exchange is uh, being like a power trip, basically. Right, right. Like they're like, you're not respecting the level of, you know, preciousness that I'm supposed to be entitled to because I'm a loved one. And, uh, you know, we're like family. It's that like family thing, but in reverse, maybe. Like, mm. you know, you're but like family, but you're not family. Yeah, but that's like, but that's what I'm saying. Like when you're when you're like family, but not family, isn't that weaponizing our familiarity? It's like, oh, in this moment, you are, you know, you're like family. But now, as soon as like things are not going the way that I expected them to because of who I think I am, now you're on the outskirts again. There it is. That's the one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. It's interesting that they can't see it that way. It is because um, I feel like I I feel like I go out of my way to make it easy for them. I feel like I do. I feel like I go pretty hard to be like, hey, that's exactly. Hold up, let's stop. Let, like I would with a toddler, you know. Wait, stop. Let's learn this thing right now because you're in the moment. Let's not get it too far away from because time will start fucking with your head and you'll forget everything. So let's just take a sec. It's a, it's a little tedious for everybody involved, but we can take a moment. Um, 
And the more resistant the toddler is to having that moment, the longer the moment's going to take and the more problematic it might feel for both of us, I guess. But like, I guess it's this, I didn't mean to carry the metaphor that far, but that's kind of the same dynamic is that I, I have a real hard time when the narrative literally doesn't include me and my lived experience. And only recently have I gotten to a point where I'm like, no, I'm really going to get specific and loud. Like if I have to bang like a firecracker, I guess I will. I'd rather have community, communication and unity, like synchronize some kind of flow of some kind that makes more sense to me in life. Uh, but if I have to pop off like a firecracker, I, I absolutely will. And I, I have a value for the fact that like every branch of the narrative matters, I guess. Like I'm really starting to get a value for that after watching how few people we're like aware of like the rising of QAnon and the Proud Boys and whatever. Because I knew about all that shit before it was coming, like on the news, you know. Right. Yeah, sort of seeing how people will look towards whatever they want to to avoid something imperative um, that I can't help but notice because of the things that I have to fear in my life. And uh, yeah, it's just I'm having a I'm having a hard time with like figuring out what to do with people who aren't quite. Uh, they're not quite liberals and Democrats, but they they act like it all the time. Like they're progressives, quote unquote. But like, I don't know. It's anybody who, when I show up in the relationship, they've kind of established themselves to be a personality that uh, is concerned about me and people like me. And they want to know more about us and like do something with their well, lives. Sometimes like, isn't that concern in itself condescending because if you're the concern of it all is like you're concerned but are you willing to actually take my reality as I tell it as fact and then do something with me on my terms to actually help progress and change that Right. That's the thing. Cause with like, with progressive quote unquotes, you know, like with the people that are like, I'm progressive, but they don't actually, they're all talking, no walk. Um, I, I'm always shocked. It's like, I put, I'll trepidatiously enter these relationships. I will enter these relationships with a sense of, um, you know, real like pause and hesitation and really checking every floorboard before I put my weight all the way on it and, and, you know, and take another step into it. And inevitably what, what can happen is that once I get used to the floor holding up, that's when it fucking buckles, you know? So Mm -hmm. like, it, it gets harder all the time. The older I get, the harder it is for me to love at all. And just last week having this moment with myself where I'm like, I don't think I have a drop of love left in me at all right now. And I don't know what that means even because here I am saying healing things to people still and showing up for them and like, do you know, I'm, I'm nice. I'm kind. Like I can be a monster too. I can lash and like that shows up in like really harsh ways when I'm this way. But like, ultimately I'm just like, how do, where am I? Like in this life I'm living, where did I go? Because I don't know how to, I don't know how to find myself without, without baseline, uh, baseline contact with individuals. And the fact that so many relationships are this volatile, it's like playing Minecraft on advanced all the time. Like just to like, 
right be engaged with anybody ever like yeah and always waiting for the floor to the floorboard to drop out from underneath you yeah and literally like it's usually right that right when i get comfortable you know and like i don't know if i'm putting up a signal with my, you know, like my spirit changes and my vulnerability shows and some primal thing comes out of them where they're like, ah, now is the good time to start making this unstable. Um, but fuck. I think it might, but if you think about the comfortability, when you get comfortable, there is a, yeah, there's definitely signals and signs that a person is comfortable. And when you get comfortable, that's probably when the other party uh, feels comfortable enough just to like let that other side show that you know in beginning it's like oh yeah this I'm so concerned about this this is like we have to do something to change this and then you get to a comfortable point where they're like feeling bold enough to say well what about this or I don't like this and you're like wait hold up <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> Yeah, it's all interconnected experiential stuff that they feel like they can pick apart. You know, the trippiest thing for me is actually is when like when I'm in a relationship with a person that's of privilege and they're tokenizing me and marginalizing me and I start to be like, here's where the tokenization happens. Here's where the microaggressions are happening. And they'll be like, oh, okay, for sure. But then something will happen where they get emotional and they start to think we get to negotiate that together and like agree to disagree about where the oppression is. Right. Right. And that I expect that out of, you know, like I've got people in my life who are, are, I've got, I know people who voted for Trump and like, again, like they just did, like, I know people who are all different kinds of ways that, uh, you know, one, I find that liberals and, and Democrats and progressives seem to be shocked that I have good relationships with people who are, are deeply conservative, Republican, uh, you know, sometimes kind of bigoted, like people who I tolerate them using language that, that maybe rubs me the wrong way or would if it was not something I was used to coming out of them. Um, but I, te- I tend to have a, a bit of an easier time with like white country people than I do with like, you know, white urban people who are thinking they're hella progressive or like white suburban people who are thinking they're progressive. Well, that's like, a, the difference is the lie doesn't exist yeah. in people who are, they acknowledge that they think differently and they completely believe in everything, every oppression or whatever that you're going through. They don't say it doesn't exist. They think it should exist. <laughs> Whereas yeah. liberals are basically trying to tell you, well, wait, or, or trying to equ- equivocate that they've also been through some sort of similar oppression where you're like, no, that's not the same. So at the same time that you're trying to be on the same page with them, they're basically trying to draw us to their page and what's comfortable for them. But what has been comfortable for them has never been comfortable for us. And that's why we have to do it on our terms, our way. But getting them to that point where they can drop their ego and say, you know what? Okay, you're right. I'm just going to sit here, shut the fuck up and listen and follow that has never been their reality where that's what they've had to do. (laughs) So. Right, man. Whoa. I mean, it's like, I know, but then I'm like, why is it like this? And then, you know, I don't know. 
like I need to keep being preached to about it. Like it's one of the elements of life that I'm like, I know it's so deeply in my bones, but like, I can't, I'm like, you know, it's just like, okay, more pastor, like continue, please. Like let's preach about it. Fuck. Um, and yeah, I wonder like, I just want, I just wonder if there's anything to fucking be done about this shit and like how to, my whole thing is I'm kind of like this and this podcast is, is like, it's, it's, it's complicated in a few ways, but it's actually pretty fucking simple where it's like, I hear a lot of podcasts that are like, I'm a sociopolitical podcast and we're going to do topicals. And I'm like, but this is people's lives falling apart. So here's right. mine. And if it's going to be falling apart, like, here's how I'm getting through it is really the thing. Like, here's how I'm pushing along and how I'm trying to create something worth hoping for, how I'm, how I'm putting myself together every day and hosting space for more of that under the, under the clear, like, lens that this is a, this is a sociopolitical nightmare. Like, we are living in a disaster on a spiritual level, on an economic level, on a physical level, but we could branch the physical down into different on a health level, on an education level, on a, the ways we're allowed to feed ourselves, the ways we have access to all of that stuff. And I guess with health, I meant medical to be specific. And so finding, finding ways to even like, like, I don't, it's, it's just like, there's so much energetic bankruptcy everywhere. There's so much loss and lack and, and disparity between experiences that, uh, you know, I guess I'm really just trying to simplify it. And that's why I got to like marginalized centrist and then norm core is really, that's where it's like, I, centrism is a philosophy. And it's the idea that like the calmer, th- if we can pretend it's peaceful, then it's peaceful. And we don't need justice to have peace. As long as those fucking people who aren't getting what they need, shut the fuck up. Right. That's, right. that's the deal. So like, I'm really just kind of thinking about, it's like, I hope that nobody is hearing marginalized centrists and thinking that's a war cry because it really is the notion of like, when I'm walking down the sidewalk and a white person is coming, like they're coming towards me, they don't move a lot of the time. Like they don't, well, I'll move. They don't do anything, you know? And like, it's sometimes they do, but I notice the white people who do move when they step, they step away and we make equal space for each other when we're walking down the sidewalk. So at the very least, I'm asking for that. But also what I'm really asking for is, hey, pay attention. And why don't you step to the side for a minute while I keep walking straight down the sidewalk? Because y'all have been doing it for decades and centuries and some more upon all time. Like, I don't, I'm, it's like just for a minute. I'm not asking for forever. We don't have to fight about it. Just as many of you as are, are interested in actually being progressive and helping do that, marginalize yourself a bit, step out of the way and consider what the entire narrative of what's being erased has been and what that's going to be doing if it continues being ignored. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Because a lot of it though, is that they feel as if they have to be included. Right. Yeah. It's just like, no, you could just step aside and you don't actually have to be a part of this but you just have to make space for us to do what we need to do. Yeah. Well, in some of the trip is I actually am like, okay, let me include people of privilege, but it's like, let's do it in an interactive way that like, they're not in control of what the terms of it are. However, it's not necessarily non-consensual at the same time. Cause that's not how I approach life. You know, like if people aren't trying to be there, they don't need to be there. But, uh, also, 
they're not going to get to just ignore a whole narrative at the same time. Like I got to wake up in the morning and get blasted at with all kinds of shit that I'm not trying to know about, hear about, see about just because I have a cell phone, like just because, you know, because I want to be able to communicate with people and because I go on the internet, like somehow I accidentally opened Google news today, which is a a whole app, app on my phone. I did not know that I had, I didn't know I had it. I don't think I can uninstall it from the looks of it. I think it's just in there. And I've had this phone for like a year. Like, I don't know. I don't know how that shit's in there. But no matter what I do, I get barraged with elements of narratives that I'm like, I don't need, I don't need these headlines in my face. And we all have to kind of deal with that together is what I kind of realized. I, I, I got this bug up my ass about it where it's like, wait a second, I just need to make noise. I just got to make some noise, right? We all got to make some noise. Come over, everybody come here, get on this microphone. I got a, I got a mic for you. Let's make a broadcast. Um, right? Right. It's, uh, I, I like when you say that though, because in the reverse, when you're saying that they can be a part of it, but not, you know, be in control of it. But at certain point, that's when, the, as they're not in control, at certain point, they're going to have opinions about the way things are being controlled. And so then that enters us into a negotiation of how you can even be involved in this space. And in a way they have to neglect themselves. And that's not something that they're used to doing or having to do, or like in in the similar ways where we know, or I know in certain places that I just have to be quiet until I can like, this is not where my voice is going to be heard. I'm just be quiet and say what I have to say in another place at another time when it, you know what I mean? Right. So it's like, it's like getting them to like, it's almost like we haven't gotten them to the place where they can even be participating because you have to go through like, you know, elementary kindergarten first before you can get to middle school, high school or college, you know? That's a real ginger way of putting it. Cause what they really did was break down our ancestors and hurt people a lot kill people, move them across the world from each other and split apart their hearts and scramble their brains. And that's how they got us like this. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, no, but I mean, real talk, real talk. Yeah. School is real gentle. You just talked about it like the school they created that they want to pretend is so important and goes back eons and is the way that humans need to learn, you know, and like I, part of the issue is that they get to kind of center that concept of like things should be gentle and they should have a structure to them. And like, we didn't get to learn that way. I learned as a baptism by fire all my life. Like I learned in different situations where I was, I was lied to about where I was. I was lied to about who I was dealing with and what the terms actually were. And I had to discover through people's right. behaviors and treatment of me and gaslighting and like, and then, and then group gaslighting, it would be one person gaslighting. And then it would turn into like, well, well, if you weren't so emotional or if you weren't this kind of way about it, if you weren't thinking these things, you know, like right. then the abuse would go away, but it had already started, you know, like it was already happening. And then I'm like having a, Hey, does anybody notice this? And everybody's like, Nope. And I'm like, what do you mean? Nope. And then I start panicking because there's a, there's a monster in the room. Everybody's acting like they can't see. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. In the same way that you could say that, and I could say, yes, real talk. <laughs> like, right. because we have that same experience and that same awareness, I can acknowledge what you're saying is true. And as like real, like, yeah, that's your experience. So it's like, how do we get these 
how do we get people into that into that space where they could hear something that is brutally honest but accept it as honesty and truth yeah i mean yeah it seems pretty hit or miss and that well i mean some of it seems to have to do with the fact that like uh like there's a confusion about what what the dynamics are between us. And like, I almost, I almost said there's a confusion about what the relationship is, but that's, that's one of them words that people don't calibrate well on. And it's bothersome to me. I don't like the word friend for a bunch of reasons. I got a lot of things to say about the word friend. I'll use it, but it's not a serious word to me when I use it. It's something that's just for convenience sake. When I refer to relationships, I like to be specific. And I feel like the term situationship is super respectful to the dynamics of complexity and nuance that people are. And mm-hmm. I feel like it's one of the most loving ways to approach a thing because then I get to be all, all, all the time like, okay, what is this and what does it need? How can I love this best, right? right. Um, but either way, what I've, what I've been finding most frequently when I get into these situations where people are threatened by the notion that they need to acknowledge that something they think is a personal problem is actually a greater systemic thing and that they're on script and they're on code and they're branded with their bullshit uh, of whatever, you know, whatever fucking nonsense is coming out of them. Because it's usually not even really aligned with their, what they, what they say their morals are. That's the whole issue with the walking the talk thing. Like that's the whole, they don't realize that they're tripping on their own shoelaces because they're so emotional and they feel like they have a right to defend themselves but the bottom line with that is that they think that things are based on like feelings as opposed to like practical application of interactions. You know, like they think it's more, it's about a fondness, right? Like they, if they think if there's a fondness, that's allyship and that they can kind of pat on the head or throw in as they want, you know, to- tokens, they can tokenize, they can, they can pop some tokens in like, oh, I have the words. I know what to say. Let me get my flashcards out and, you know, make, make people feel better, make people feel good. Cause I've got, right. I know I'm a good person. I'm a good white person. I'm a good straight person. I'm a good, you know, whatever, right. like good norm core. I'm a, I'm a norm core person. That's inclusive. Exactly. I think it's like you said, though, it's all based upon feelings and emotions and even being concerned about, you know, what they're about the plight of, you know, black people or whatever. It's like their concern and what do they call it? A uh, virtue signaling. Just like, oh yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm a part of this and, and then, and I'm, you know, want to be making things better. But I think they don't understand that and this is where their emotions come in. Every time that you reveal their complicity in the reality that is your life and your oppression, they immediately want to say no. They want to, you know, I'm not, I didn't, I'm not a part of that. But actually, you are, and you have been subscribed to it. So what you have, they have to realize is that allyship or whatever you want to call it is actually a deep dark night of the soul where they are going to come Mm -hmm. to grips with every evil thing that they have benefited from and Mm -hmm. been complicit in and 
basically admitting that and saying, I'm walking away from that in order for us to all have what we need to have or be where we mm. need to be. And I don't, I mm. feel like, like you said, it's about their feelings. So when they get into, you know, I'm an ally and I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I'm going to a protest and it's like, okay, yeah, that all looks great. But what are you really doing? You're not here for the real work where you have to actually look at yourself and say, damn, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. No. And it really is like, it's, it's so like, there's a special kind of grief and trauma that comes from the moment that I realized that somebody that I love a lot, that I feel like we were in, uh, in a relatability that we had an understanding of the fact that we're different, but we can learn what that means. And especially when they give me the extra space of that they know that they don't have a narrative for me because there's an erasure in the media of me and my life and my narrative and an overwhelming amount of programming that kind of informs the world that I don't even exist, right? Like people who acknowledge that really set me up for this to fucking cut and like, and fuck me up, like just ruin my life. But like, there's just this romantic ass Pollyanna idea kind of thing of what marginalized people's lives are going to be like and what that experience of being near it is going to be. I got to live in this thing. And they're all tripped up about like, you know, what it sounds like to hear some of the process of it ever. Right. You know, like, I'm like, man, like, I don't like it either. Trust me. Like, fucking please believe me. And the fact that I'm loud about it in this way uh, like seems to be the kind of thing that they feel they get to marginalize me more about. And that's really bullshit. Cause I'm like, man, I thought we were through that part where you had to be tone policed. I thought we really had gotten to a good space in the world of being able to address everyone's realities in like a, in like a reasonable, authentic tone. Yeah. I think that as we, when you get to that space and also like, it's always not going to be like with a true ally you should be able to say those things or come to the point it's really revelatory actually when you get to a place where something about their uh belief system or whatever has been revealed and they can't hear anything you're saying from you it's like well you're exhibiting the exact behavior of the oppressor in this conversation in this moment where you can't right. even take what I'm saying as as real. <laughs> you can't even you can't even acknowledge that because it's hurting your feelings or it doesn't align right. with your idea of who you were or are. Well, and then oh man, I get the the one that's got me real fucked up right now the most. It's like the the racism the 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 racial issue was acknowledged. It wasn't exactly racism, I'll say, but it was like a racial divide where I was like, we as people need to figure this out. And that's where the pain is, is on whiteness for me. And really what I meant was as a black queer person, I'm feeling unseen, but I, I pointed out instead of in with it, with my comment. And since I said whiteness, instead of owning what it was that was getting hurt, right? I said what was hurting me instead of what was getting hurt, that triggered a acknowledgement of the white problem, but a continuous meltdown into a, well, I guess everything I do and say from now on is just going to be cast under this lens. And I was like, man, that wasn't, I thought I could say it and we would just put a pin on it and whatever, but you took the pin and you turned it somehow into like, like a paint bucket. You just started throwing it all over everything. Like, God, dude, like, right. what just happened here? Like, 
heard you heard me i guess like that's not what i meant though calm down victim mode like that's you know what i'm saying like so it's like it gets real the more progressive quote unquote they are internally in their narrative the more weird it gets for me sometimes like the more like you know y'all really think you're doing the right thing but like jesus christ this is colorfully fucked up like I don't know. I don't know what the, I don't know. <laughs> but it's in the name progressive. Like if you are truly a progressive, then when we get to those type of impasse, you are supposed to take it and progress. <laughs> yeah, but instead that... you, you know, you stab yourself in the heart and you're a martyr now because nothing you can do or say will ever be right. And <laughs> Oh my God. Oh my God, man. Yeah, no, and I've, this is, it's one that comes up, you know, like I, the radical communal housing seat in, in Oakland was just like full of, full of this. Like it was like a majority of this. Like there'd be like whole house meetings of like 13 people with 10 of them doing different versions of ice melting the same way, <laughs> but like somehow different versions, somehow it's because they're different shapes of snowflake before the ice starts melting. So the, and they're on like a different type of furniture you know, we're all sitting in a circle for the house meeting. One's on a couch, one's up on a wooden loft, one's sitting on the tile floor or whatever. One's on the ratty ass rug. And so they all melt the same way, but it looks a little different. That's, yeah, you know. and, uh, yeah I, I feel you. I, I understand this completely because I feel as if uh, I come in contact with a lot of people with their well-intentioned, you know, narratives of who they think they are but then and a lot of it uh the thing is that that everyone has a chance and i can see if you can you get into that moment and you have your emotional meltdown but i need you to be able to think critically through that and then get to the other side with me where you see you know how you how you you know made it about yourself and you know figured it out but if you're going to constantly just make yourself the, you know, the victim and now we're just sitting here trying now, now I'm the bad guy. <laughs> right. Oh, man, that's the vilification after the like. It's just like they got to self vindicate. They got to come up with a narrative that creates like a self vindication, you know, and like, I don't know. It's so weird. I've had people try a few different things and like. Sometimes they'll go straight for vilifying and sometimes they'll try to do like a, wow, uh, you know, like it's, it's really too much for me to have friends in my life that like expect so much of me and, you know, that kind of a thing will happen. And they think they can sort of say, you know, essentially that uh, this isn't working out. Sorry. Au revoir. Au revoir. Au revoir. <laughs> you know, and like I'm yeah. not here for that shit because bitch, if you ghost me, I'm going to come and haunt you, you know, like that one doesn't work for me. So then they go into the victim mode when I come back to be like, I have been thinking about some fucking things and I've got some things to say. Usually by then it's like pushed into an avenue where I've been so literally marginalized with the particular person that's got me fucked up. Like they've got like the, the ways we're able to engage have been reduced so much that I'm like, well, I got to fucking... I got to fucking approach this in a way I don't like. Like, I, I'm not super happy with the fact that I'm so small. How do I get loud enough? At the size that I am, how do I get my voice loud enough without throwing it out to even be heard? 
Yep. You can be heard at all. So that's the, that's the question. That is the question. I made a podcast about it, and I'm doing pretty good topics on things. I think I'm I'm doing all right. Um, yeah, and really, I've been I've been having these because I have a production assistant now, and he's awesome. I'm not gonna get too much into it, but he's great, and we have multiple meetings a week that are really great, and we're moving in some awesome directions, getting more guests on, and uh, yeah, he's he's just fantastic. But one of the things he was telling me was that he had had this thought that. And this was just like last week. He was like, um, after I, it was just before I put out Marginalizing Centrist, like a day before. And he was like, the thing about this podcast is it's, it's like a prayer. And then he asked me if I felt like that was accurate. And I was like, you know what? I think it is. Like, I think that is very accurate. And the more I thought about it, the more I was like, you know, I had to come up with a description at the beginning of this podcast. I had to come up with something to write in the description. And I was in such a wounded, broken place and felt so alone the day that I put the first one out because I recorded it and things were a little bit different in my life. And then that was just like a real dark week. And I was like, I got to see this through. I got to get this up, even though I feel like I'm not totally like at my best and where I want to be to be performing on any stage, let alone like I built a huge one. How many people might show up to it? What's going to happen? But I just decided to go, you know, I just was like, okay, do it anyway. Put the description together. It's accurate. It's accurate. However, ultimately, really, in another, in another lens, it is a prayer from a very lonely person howling into the abyss, just hoping that love is out there and community shows up and, and like creates momentum in this thing. And that something new can be started anywhere here. Why not? Right? Like that's right. kind of the gist of it. And and the arc that I'm hoping for is that where I started flips literally on its ass, that I'm able to flip my own table in a sense, I guess, and really just like have it be the antithesis of all of that confusion and despair and isolation. And I'm like, for being a hard ass motherfucker and having a lot of really like strict morals to me I am very amenable and like it's like I'll have situations where it's like a year has gone by in some bullshit and we work it out I've had just this this year in 2020 I had things come back from a year ago I had things come back from three years ago I had things come back from four years ago like I had it's like I could point to different months mostly in June, because it was mostly white women over the years that had fucked me up in different ways. And they all showed back up in June, like, hey, uh, let me drop some coin in your Venmo and your cash app. And like, you know, here's some, you know, whatever it is. Some of them just flittered away and waited for me to contact them again. Some of them reached out to me and had something to say. So uh, yeah, I just had, I had a lot of, uh, I had a lot of movement happen um, with uh, like repair. You know, like with, and why wouldn't everybody want that ultimately? Right. You know, I guess like people need to tell me otherwise for sure. Like they got to be like, no, I'm a rabble rouser and I just want everything awful, burn it all down all the time, you know, because everybody hits that mode at times and it's 2020 and we're all allowed. Like, where's the meteor? Like, you know, we can be dark as shit for a minute, but ultimately the people I know who get like that the hardest are people who like their baseline is wanting more restoration in the world and wanting more mindfulness and 
compassion and love and generosity and all these things that. Right. Because the honesty for that you that you the honesty with which you communicate your reality and your truths are even though like the honesty of it can be can sound harsh. But if you acknowledge it as the truth, it's not. It, it's it's more like okay, well, it it makes you want to figure out how you can be a part of making things not as harsh. If that makes sense, it's like say it again a different way. How can you? Yes, but how can you listen to someone communicate in such an honest way that can be sometimes perceived as brutally honest? But when you realize those types of brutally honest things actually exist in their reality, then it makes you feel as if you have to, in some way, become a part of the solution to remove that. I would hope. Right. I I would hope for the people, especially the people who represent that as their identity in the world, I would hope that they really could see that this pain doesn't come from nowhere and it's not just lashing out for no reason. You know what I'm saying? Like there's like, there's a way to heal this too. Like there's a way to like restore all of the things that are misunderstanding and disruption of like, uh, like love because of, uh, an experiential, it's like existential dissonance, you know, like you just yeah. kind of, you get up in the morning and you go about your day and this is the way the world is. And we're all living different versions of that. It's like how I've been saying lately, it's like, we all get on the internet and we talk about the internet, like it's one place and it's not one place. Like, I guess oh, it yeah. is. If you want to get into the concept of like a, like a, you know, a metasphere or whatever, but like, we are all in our own internet when we get on the fucking internet. And that is something I feel like needs to be, I feel like in the morning, there's certain, certain things that people should just say out loud to acknowledge the reality of to calibrate themselves. I'm not doing this. I should be, but like the internet is, is a different place for everybody is some, some form of a thing that just, it's like, we got to consider it. And that, that, that lens of life, that interface is as above, so below, the actual case for everything to do with that vibe. And when it becomes dissonant, especially from a harmonic, like a sweet harmonic too, like it's like, you know, whoa, that sound, you know, that this kind of sound that makes you thirsty for more of it. Yeah. Like, like listening to a dubstep song or a trap song and they get that one moment where it like really drops hard and you're like, oh no, I got to listen to the whole song again. Like that kind of fucking harmonic thing going and then it moves into a dissonance experiential dissonance that's felt in the vagus nerve you know i feel it in my fucking heart and in my throat and in my gut and it makes me so i can't eat and sleep right and like in the back of my head like i feel it physically i feel it like you know ethereally if you will like it's a mood that rides on me on top of like the physical sensations that i get from that dissonance that divide where it just goes starkly like you know like they treat it like it's, it's, it's like a thing where, you know, people are kind of like, I'm so concerned. I can't look at you. I'm so, I'm so Mm -hmm. distraught by what I'm seeing that I can't look at you. And whether Mm -hmm. that's racism, ableism, queer, bashy, phobic, weird shit, which is always weird too, when it comes out of people who I know are queer, but they live more norm core lives. Right. Right. Again, what it really is, is just privilege. 
Right, right. It's it means that they've not gone through the trials that I've gone through, the baptisms by fire to kind of discover, wow, I guess I am something I would call queer. What does that mean? Do I like that word? Do I have to use that word? How do I find people I'm like if I don't? That whole thing was different for them in a way that's not okay to ignore the nuances of on like a practical day-to-day level for me. It, it results in pains. Constant microaggressions come out of the community that is unlike myself in that arena, right? Like, right. Um, and I'm not saying that that makes them not kin in some fashion, but it certainly creates that, that risk dynamic where usually when, when the dissonance happens, it's more felt on my end in the sense that I lose more, I lose more from it. I lose more. My relationships are precious. They're not just a dime a dozen to find somebody that's worth my energy and time. You know, and it's an investment that I find a lot of value in. I've been told my mystic, my astrologer says there's some shit in my chart that makes that a thing. And she's informed me that I need to be aware that not everybody is like this. Uh, Not everybody's so relationship based, I suppose, is sort of the phrasing. It was a lot. There was a lot of words about it. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it wasn't inaccurate. And she's somebody that's known me for years. And we've actually had a lot of of this, the dissonance where we're very harmonic and then we slide into a dissonance of experiential just divide. Like we just went through such different things. Um, and the weirdest part is that with that, with that person particularly, we've gone through some of the same things, such different ways. Like we've been together in a, in a social dynamic while an event's been occurring. And so yeah, our, our challenges communicationally have resulted in like, wait, weren't you there kind of vibes? Like, but like, you know, right. God, we're all experiencing different shit, but like, you know, can't you relate to me? And like different, you know, different elements of the dissonance play different ways when people give up on it or when they try to kind of manipulate it back into a harmonic, I guess, if you will, you know? Right. Like, can we just get back on this page? Like, just ignore that shit. Let's just be on the same page. But well, no, now I have to sacrifice what I experienced as truth. Right. Right. And sometimes it's possible to do that in any relationship, you know, like it's hard to navigate the nuances of like, what's just like an organic flow and what can we just kind of like, you know, let be human nature stuff. And what as progressives who are recognizing that the world has been categorized into these castes and that people have been treated in these ways that create specific types of weird trauma that we're all kind of like, Sort of, sort of globally addressing a little bit differently these days than when I was in any amount younger. Like, I feel like it's just kind of the last two years, essentially, that I'm like, huh, I didn't expect to hear the word intersectional out of, like, you know, my aunt, if you will, or whatever. Like, that's um, ever, you know? Like, I went through right. lots of years of being like, I don't feel seen in this family because it's a lot of white relatives I got and then a lot of black relatives that are very religious and I'm not sure how I fit in between any of this shit. Um, and then to suddenly have that kind of change around me, I noticed that kind of shit too. Like, I noticed, I noticed zeitgeist that work in, in my favor, but then that creates that vibe of, is this a floorboard I can set my fucking foot on? Or is the whole general society creating a fictitious floor it's a hologram. And when I go to put weight on that shit, I'm going to fall into an abyss of hell and have to pull myself out of rock bottom on my own again. 
you know. Yep, I feel you. That's right. <sighs> yeah, you said it. You said it. That was a big one. That was. <laughs> I'm still taking it in. Actually, the truth of that is, is yeah. Sometimes I turn into these volcanoes of information. I got to see where I have fire in my chart. And if that feels like a story that I like, yeah, I think there's something with like a volcano thing. I've been getting a lot of like, you know, well, you're Uranus, the disrupted. <laughs> Uranus is in Taurus right now. I feel like Uranus is the higher octave of, uh, of, of Taurus, I thought. That's what I think. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a Taurus and I'm just, it's not like I'm, I don't look into this shit all the time and think about it all the time. And then I hear about it. I'm like, fuck, I'm doing it. Like I'm living it out. I wouldn't be surprised if your uh, Mercury was in Aries or something. Cause you communicate very Aries. Like what is that fast shit that I do? The hot and fast. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, or it, yeah. I would say Aries or Gemini. Yeah. Something, something like that. I have, I have heard some things about, Gemini shit in my chart. I gotta just send it to you because I get so overwhelmed looking at the thing. I have the graphic, you know, like that's okay. I have my transit <laughs> chart from the Mercury Mars retrograde time. I have my transit chart from that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, everyone had to get their chart when that shit was going down. <laughs> Yo, the astrologers have been having a fucking. They've been banking this year. They've just been like, their fucking PayPal's are happy. Their Venmo, right? Their, their Cash App and all over the place. Like, man, why didn't I get my shit together? Start doing, right? start doing. I want. I wanted to make tarot cards a few years ago. I had this idea for making tarot cards, and I I set it on the back burner, and then I just forgot about the shit, and it just boiled down to ch- charcoal, charcoal in the bottom of the pot. Um, but I could I could bring something back with that eventually, probably. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> I think. I think that I'm pretty happy with the way that I'm making my, it's like my life turned to just wreckage all of a sudden. It was like, I looked around and like my social life, it was just on fire, like everything around me. And I was like, how am I going to, how am I going to make something? What do I live in now? And I made like a hut out of something. Like I grabbed, I figured something out. (laughs) I don't know. I'm doing all right. I'm, I'm expanding as everything is a video game. Oh Yeah. We we play, basically, that's what we do to get we work so we can uh, get tokens to play the game. And, Man. <laughs> and then they got the side games where you can like Man. earn some tokens and do this or that and add some stuff to your, to your pack. <laughs> yep. Yeah, no, and then there's the XP, and it's like when you start getting your wisdom reserves all filled up and you'll be like, oh, I'm going to cash in on this and that and the other thing then all of a sudden it level up around you and you're like, oh, fuck, now what? Like, yeah. I learned new control. How do I get to those moves? How do I access the new, the new features that I've developed? Like, what do I do to actually like work that the right way at the right times and not like waste it or not use it when it's needed or going to help? Like, cause I'm used to just only <laughs> having what I had before. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And that level up the boss level. Like that's when I play video games, I have a tendency to hoard my XP points and not level up to not advance the game. And I hit a wild time when video games started like outsmarting me on that. And they'd be like, oh no, we level up anyway. You better catch it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't like change. I don't like change like that. I don't like it when the world is just like, Mm-mm, no, it's not going to be that easy anymore. 
I don't know. It's funny how everything kind of circles back to tokens for me these days. Yeah. <laughs> token this, token that, tokens everywhere. Uh, yeah. And I'm not one, and I'm not going to be one. Boogity boogity. <laughs> right? I don't know. I had an interesting conversation about tokens in a completely different format than this, but I love memes. Memes are my favorite uh, form of entertainment at this time of my life. Oh, yeah. And uh, someone had posted a meme with uh, Nene Leakes from Real Housewives. She is like one of the major. Like, hers are hilarious to me. Nene and Oprah memes get me every time. And um, I had referenced the meme. I was like, oh, yeah, that Nene meme that you posted had me cracking up. She was like, Nene? And I was just like, you don't know who that is. <laughs> like, you don't know who she is, what she's from. Like, you post memes with all of these different Black people in it, and you don't even know what part of life they exist in. And that oh, that's funny. tumbled into a conversation about like tokenism and how like, yeah, basically those are just your meme tokens. That's what you post to make people laugh. But you don't even know like who these real people are. And it's yeah. kind of crazy that like you can exist in a world where you can use someone's likeness and not have any care about who they actually are or where it actually comes from. That is pretty funny. I'm a little nervous to put this on the air because I feel like somehow it's going to filter back to Facebook and they're going to suddenly, you know how they won't let us put up videos with certain music on it? They're going to be like, oh, copyright stuff, trademark. We got to protect the celebrities. We got to protect the celebrities. Like, let's get the celebrities on our side. Like, you know, whatever the fuck they, I don't know what their agenda is, but yeah, no, isn't that what they call, um, isn't that what the kids are calling these days, uh, uh, digital black facing? Oh, they have a term for it. I like that. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, a little. Uh, let's see. Yeah, like some Zoomers have have used that term in my in my presence. Uh, okay. Yeah, adult adult ones, grown ones, the early twenties, somethings. Digital blackface. I've heard it around a little bit, but it was something that I was kind of like met because I'm a meme lord. I'm a meme. I'm a fucking meme lord, and I'm like I steal. I'm a pirate. I go through the internet, and sometimes I might leave you a little picture on there if I like you. I'll leave it on there almost all the time, but I might cut it off because that's habitually what I do. I just go through the internet, <laughs> snatching up memes and curating them for the goodness of other people. Like they, you know, I did, I felt like um, dark humor was a good place to ride my life, and um, and so I. I didn't have an immediate alarm over the notion of, you know, white people routinely using black people or people of color. But then I started after I heard about it, I started to notice. I was like, wait, there actually are these accounts that I kind of when I look at them on first glance, it doesn't really occur to me. But I sort of assume I sort of assume some things when I say, you know, like it's and it's not when you start engaging with those pages or if you look at the comments some of the time. It'll be stuff that's real ignorant, obtuse, you know, kind of microaggressive at the very most, you know, benign and, and can can be like overtly racist and, and stuff that I'm always confused why it doesn't violate community standards, like kind of shit. Like, right. was, like I started to see what it really was, you know, because I just I blew it off. I just totally blew it off. And then what it manifests, it can be, I'm sure, on a spectrum where it's just generally, you know, people who are admiring the memes, because it's like, okay, like I don't fuck with early in my in my meme lording, I didn't fuck with the Kardashians at all. Nowadays, I'm like, you know, if the world's gonna be crazy, 
I'm kind of here for the possibility of a Kardashian dynasty running at least the United States, for fuck's sake. They have at least got diplomatic relations in a lot of places in the world. Like, they're kind of all right, as far as I've heard, generally. I don't know. Am I mistaken about this? Wait, let's take a pause. I mean, it at least seems as if they like Black people. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. And the thing that people kind of catch me on, the one thing is they'll be like, well, they steal designs from Black designers and they, they sell them like their own. And I'm like, well... First of all, it's a shark-eat-shark world in that capitalism game, and I don't support any of that shit. I am about artists eating, but they're fucking with boutique like owners. They're fucking with owners of boutiques who already have an established base and brand and business so that when it comes out that they stole this brand, those people always get bumps too. You know what I'm saying? Like It's like ultimately there's not really a loss as far as I can tell in, you know, like they can... Right. They can say shit, they can go to court, but then that's probably more money for the for the original designers. You know what I'm saying? So like ultimately in practice, it's not like people are just not getting paid for work that they did or, um, you know, getting harassed in fucked up ways or, you know what I'm saying? Like the stuff that I generally hear with a giant, enormous family that is that they're like their own industry. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, right. what do you even call that? It's a dynasty. It's, why don't we see what they do with at least the social part of things and then have Google run the infrastructure of everything and everything probably will work smoothly from there. Get all this ninny ninny bullshit from these like old white people that are, I'm the Senator Congress, whatever, like all the voting that isn't really working for us. Like just slowly they get everything real quick is what I am thinking. Like it doesn't need to make sense. I just need it to happen. Is my curiosity. Anyway. So that said, that was a bunch of rabbit trailing that said at the beginning of my meme lording, I, uh, did not like the Kardashians at all and did not have any respect for them in any way. But I did really enjoy the memes. Like I really got a lot out of the memes. Like that was an <laughs> important part of my life. Additionally, at the same time, I didn't give a shit about Joe Biden. Didn't really even care about who he was in any instance. But it was during like, you know, it was like the pre, it, like we didn't know what was about to be happening, but Obama was starting to do his his princess wave. You know, like goodbye. Uh, like, like I'm le- we don't know who's replacing me, but I'm leaving. It was like just barely starting up and get, like getting people nostalgic, pre-nostalgic or something. So the Biden memes came out, the bromantic Biden memes. And those ones fucking sucked me in and shit. And I started that <laughs> shit up. So those kinds of things were what distracted me from noticing how fucked up digital black facing is. I did all that rabbit trailing because that actually was a distraction in my life to keep me from recognizing that particular tokenization form right. that happens all the time, like all the time. Cause it's really easy. It's really basic, simple. Most forms of tokenization are kind of simple. I wonder if digital blackface applies to these companies that basically have like black people as their spokespeople. And then like you find out that it's like white owned and you're like, oh, I thought this was black owned. That's another yeah. way of uh, digital blackfacing. That's fair enough. <laughs> I just be, I'll be trying to buy like, you know, sea moss gel and like my, you know, stage or certain things like that online. And then everybody in the commercial or on the, on the IG is black. But then when you look down at the nitty gritty of the details, you're like, this is not owned by these people. This is not. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there's like, there's so many ways. Yeah, there's pro. There's pro. There's. I, I. I. I've thought about things for for a few years about like 
I guess it was probably in like 2015 or so when I started to become extremely concerned about the fact that I was I was real aware a lot of businesses had to be owned by descendants of like awful, awful people, period. Oh, yeah. Like I just started, it was like enough data kind of came into my into my lap that I was like, uh, wait, statistically then, <laughs> like, hold <Right>. on. <laughs> Homeowners and business owners have got to come from a certain kind of stock. And then the disadvantage, of, like it just started to make sense to me, you know? Like I knew a lot of the stuff, but I wasn't able to see it in a proper alignment to kind of really get what that means, what that, right. how that applies. So, um, God damn it. I lost my train of thought. Holy shit. Uh, but that's how you get back to, uh, that's kind of how you get back to like, when you realize that these people have had to come from a lineage who have done some crazy fucked up things to get to that money. That's how you get to the point where they are immediately emotional about when you say the, you know, this or that, because then they have to reckon with the fact that their father, grandfather, great grandfather were actually, you know, they want to really quickly say, Oh, I'm a good person. I'm not, I didn't, but then they like, but damn, someone in my fucking family line did do some of this shit. Right. Okay. That actually, I'm glad I lost my train of thought because that brought another thing into it and kind of got, okay. So what I was, what I was about to say was that I started to become concerned about everything from like, who's making my soap to who's making my light bulbs, who's making the paint on my walls. Like I started just thinking about that and wondering where'd that money go and what else is it funding? Right. Mm -hmm. And the thing, I think the last little piece that kind of went into place was something in my personal life where I had these friends that I was homeless at the time and living in vehicles and in an office. And these people would have me come over and have dinner at times and let me shower at their place. And like, they were a friendly young white millennial, you know, we're all about the same age, I guess. Uh, and so I'd come over and they would just talk about different things. And I knew that they lived in their grandparents' former house that was across the street from their parents' house both of them real nice places in a real nice area. And these young guys were like, it's abnormal. It's abnormal for kids this age to be in control of a house this nice. Like, like even when people's families have a property and they put the kids in, it's usually a little more rundown or in a different kind of area or whatever around here. Right. So I'm over at this house this one night and this is just the, that is the, that's the framework of it. But I walk in and, and the guy that I'm, I'm seeing and, and hanging out with that night, he's like, very, uh, very chipper and wanting to reminisce about his grandparents. And I knew that their family owned, uh, owned a jewelry. Um, they were, they were in the, they were in the jewelry industry. I'll say, uh, and he basically walked me through the history of his, his grandparents coming from Germany and stopping off in Africa and getting into diamonds and rubies and then coming here to start the jeweling thing that they were doing here. And I, when he said it, like I, it's like my gut turned, you know, like my whole, I was like, Oh fuck. What? Like, you know, I just, it's like my whole brain started to cascade with like all of a sudden, probably the first thing that happened was I saw like Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Connelly's faces, like stuff that they, that I could relate to with them if I said it out loud, but I would never have said it out loud in this moment. And like, 
it was so wild because I was sitting there and I, I genuinely was enjoying hearing a conversation about like him telling me this stuff about his family lineage and what all had kind of like gone down to get them where they are. That was like, how cool. I can't really do that with a good chunk of my lineage. So, okay, go ahead. Like, um, was sort of where my, my ass right. was choosing to be because I actually like these, I like these people. I love these people. We were, we were right. close. Tell me about your family. Um, I'd love to hear it. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it was such a weird moment to be having, to be looking at this person that I loved and have this thing kind of come up and come out. And I can't remember what it was that I did say, but like, I can only get so far from what I'm actually feeling to respond to things. Like my performance of whatever it is that's going to come out of me is only going to be so distant from the actual reality of what it is that I'm thinking. That gets me in trouble a lot. It gets me in trouble a lot. Um, cause I don't, that's the thing is I mammy well when there's no conflict, but like, I kind of, I just pop off with like a whole, you know, I turn right. into a carrot. I turn into an absolute Becky when I need to, like, I can fucking like, wait, doesn't everybody know? Wait, call the manager. Hold on. And then it just right. comes out all of a sudden. And I'm like, oh shit. Fuck. That's that white half of me. Like, is that, is that what it is? Like, no, it's not exactly. It's just real emotions. You know, and I can like, I can fuck around with it volleyed in my head from being like, you know stupid, stupid charged social justice term kind of nonsense to be in like real deeply human response that's just erupting poetry incarnate, um, you know, and inspiration and a word like that's right. That's, I don't know. It's almost like though you have to erupt in a, in a moment like that, like the dissonance involved that you could even say something like this to me and not, even have thought what I would be thinking or what I would be tracing this back to. Like, you're just like, oh, hey, uh, yeah, this is a story about how my grandparents went here and kind of, you know, pillaged, um, you know, and you're like, uh, you, you, you could get through that entire thing and not think that it might affect me differently or at all. That's the damnedest thing. It was the damnedest thing. It's like, it's so it's like when you get into uh when you get into like a when you get into a a ship with somebody a situation ship you know like you're like you're looking you're looking for what the what the places you can relate are that's why relationships the general term you know like you're you're seeking that out in in a social one you know situationships can include work or like you know the nurses that you pass in the hallway on the way to a doctor's appointment or whatever. Like there's all, all the situationships are all the situationships, but, uh, it's like, I feel like I kind of approach, especially with, especially with norm core and white people, like, you know, cause it's, these things are kind of synonymous, but they're kind of different. And the thing is, is like, how about I just queer it up unapologetically? And if I need to slow it down and back it up for people, then we can do that. But goddamn, am I tired with walking so slow uphill for people that are not even trying to keep up, you know, like, right. God damn. Exactly. So I feel like with Normcore and, and white relationships in my life, I approach them and I'm like, okay, uh, I understand that there are going to be ways in which I can rub them the wrong way. And here's a list of possible ways that I don't want to trip up their triggers, right? Like I'm like, it's like I'm running assessments 
based on real data of potential that, you know, just potentially what their experience is going to be because there's enough data in the world for me to have that and for them to have that. And we're all trained on it. Right. Right. But they don't even have any, uh, they don't even know I'm doing that and they're not doing that mutually. And so that inevitably creates an inequality. And I've been talking a lot lately about how it's like, I'm not equal with most people. Like, it's like people aren't equal in general and we need to stop acting like they are. But like just on a relational level, on a, on a level of value and like how we interact as people, as individuals, because of these weird political things and social things and all this bullshit, we just aren't equal. Like we just aren't. Right. Um, and that's the, that's really the reason that extra work in the moment of the relationship in every communication that happens in every exchange and it'll calm down. Like I'll develop a trust with people where I'm, I'm not, I'll test it and then we'll get through it or they'll say or do something that I'm like, Oh, cool. Okay. We can, we can mess with that. It's not actually a trigger of theirs. I was being over-concerned. Right. Right. But the, the um, amount of mindfulness that you have to have on a regular basis compared to, in comparison is not uh, it, it pales in comparison. The amount of mindfulness that we have to have in order to like, you know, be sh- like we're always thinking of all of those things that could, you know, trigger or whatever. Whereas they're just like getting to walk freely without even having to think of those things. Right. And for me, that's with white people. That's with people who are like, I am straight and I am just a straight person. That is with people who um, have had stable socioeconomic experiences or stable familial experiences while they've been having socioeconomic instability. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I'm saying? It's like so many different types of combinations of factors that can show up in, my, in where I'm trying to love and be loved. I'll put it like right. that. Like it's, those are people that that's people I'm talking about individuals all over the planet in different ways. But I'm, I'm such a broad motherfucker. Like I, I kind of, I've been joking a lot about how it's like, I, I want to have crossover episodes with Ben Shapiro. Like I want to talk, like, what would it be like if he and I got in a container and just had some chats? Like that's, yeah. <laughs> I don't need to change each other's minds, but I'm kind of just curious. Cause I don't know that he's ever talked to a shift and I don't know if he'd be down, probably not, but like, probably um, not. I think I'd have a more respectful conversation with him overall that when I walk away from it, I can trust that what he said was what he meant. And and in practical application in the future, I can expect behaviors out of him that are going to reflect that knowledge that I learned from his mouth, right? Like even if it's stuff I don't like or that scares me, I can trust it's true. Right. And you can you know. inform your way of thinking or like based on like when you meet people that, oh, yeah, I can understand why you think that way because I had this conversation with a person who thinks that way. Right. And like, I don't necessarily disagree with a good number of things that he says that have people who are kin to me are charged about and concerned about and wish he would stop saying, you know what I'm saying? Like, I understand um, I understand people who are are legitimately confused about queer culture and queer rhetoric and why they're not just confused about it, but like averse to it, like, like, like disrupted by it. I get that. I don't like it. And I wish they would stop and get over it. But I, I do understand what's confusing to basic people about concepts that they don't get and have been abused into 
like ignoring and avoiding and shunning. And like that cycle of repetition, I feel like if it gets a little bit of reverence and that's something, this is something I've experienced in my personal life. This is why I can get along with people who are bigoted at me in different ways. They, if somebody were to attack me on the street, these, these, like the white men in my life who are more conservative and who use more bigoted rhetoric, like on a frequent basis, they would do something to defend me. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not, they wouldn't, that would shock and appall them. And they would have an emotional process of recognizing what it is that happens in my life. I've had experiences where I talk to them about things that have happened to me and they're like, damn, that happens to you at all. Oh shit. That happened again. You know, and they're actually shocked by it. They really didn't know. So it makes sense to me that they would come in the first place in a way that would dehumanize me. Right. That's safe to me. That's truth to me. Right. That's a ground to be on. And so I really do, I I have such an open like space for like, if people really want to get into a respectful conversation with me, if they're like invested in not being harmful, um, like I'm here for that shit. That makes sense. That's cool. Like, why not? Um, but yeah, how to move forward with these, with these people who want to tell themselves they are, you know, virtuous and have my back and have, uh, have any understanding what progress requires, you know? Right. Um, that is the part that is wild. That is the part that is whack. I just don't even know what to say about it. I don't know what to think or do about it because again, truth is that feels like the firmest place I can put my foot. Like I might need to get out of there real quick, but I can set my foot firmly on it to skedaddle, you know, like, um, yeah. And usually I don't actually have to skedaddle if I'm close enough to put my foot on it and know what it is. It usually is actually not as, as harmful and hot as I thought it was going to be in my lived experience in my life. Yep. Yep. I don't know. You got any closing thoughts? Oh, man, I have a lot of thoughts, but I don't know if I have anything to sum this up. I think that my main my main thing is that we have to come to some sort of a place where as we are trying to, like, work with progressives and people who think that they are on our side. I think that maybe it's just something we have to set from the beginning. Like, okay, I see you here and I see you have good intentions, but I want you to know that we are probably going to have huge disagreements where we are going to have to break down this facade that you have of your narrative. And if you are willing to do that with me and not become a victim and really work and walk through that, you can come out the other side and actually be who you say you are. But if you are not committed to that work, then you should go now. That is, that is, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder too, because, you know, I'm, I'm not really sure we're at a time where people can opt to you know, I, I worry about people who are like, 
I choose to talk the talk and not walk the walk like that. I can't, I say this a lot lately. I really, um, I have a strong affinity to the Jesus that does not like a lukewarm motherfucker that mm. will drag a bitch off the fence. Right. You know, cause Jesus, this is my theory with it. I say it facetiously a lot or like I say, I say it in passing a lot. Um, but I think that it's that Jesus conceptually, like as a character, character, person, however people want to cast it, the notion of this is that that motherfucker thinks critically about how to speak to different groups in particular, right? The parables were all unique, right? It's always like, and and you got to strip away if you got experiences in like religious communities uh, that can get tainted and funky, like, you know, as far as like the experience of what, uh, what Jesus's narrative and philosophy was. But for the most part, people I know who have fled abusive church scenes, uh, they walk away at least remembering that shit. They're like, Jesus was the motherfucker. Y'all would run out of here just like you're running me out of here. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and part of the reason why is because that motherfucker critically thought about hella shit and, and really committed to the whole thing is congruent. Like the whole thing, like anytime that motherfucker took up a whip or did something aggressive and violent or said something fucked up, it was always like in, in alignment. And so, yeah, the not liking a lukewarm motherfucker thing, I think is really about like, no, I critically assess this shit and you don't get to kind of decide when it's convenient to lean this direction or that direction without ever fully committing to either way. And you know, in a world full of nuance these days, it really is the same as it's always been where it's complex and we got to continue like talking about this shit all the fucking time and philosophizing, and <laughs> figuring out right. ways of approaching conversation and, and how are we going to, how are we going to move it? I just, I, my thing is, is I am never satisfied with a conflict just kind of deflating on itself. You know, like if there's, if there's opportunity for growth, if there's opportunity for like progress for fuck's sake, progressiveness, like, I don't know what way to say it to make it seem like an active thing. You know what I'm saying? I feel like shit, you know, it's like, like love. Some people seem to see it as an active thing and some people seem to see it as a, a feeling or a vibe or a, you know, a series of things that they say to kind of resonate with a certain type of community my grandma always said love is an action word i always heard that too i heard that from family i heard that from the church the cult that i was in was called action and they talked a lot about the applicability of a lifestyle you know like how you how you approach the world and they really got into my head with a lot of things and i i don't I don't think that makes uh, makes for problems with me. Like, I think I did a pretty good job of stripping away the things that I don't want to see in this world from that shit, you know, because they had a lot of that at the forefront. But the, the notion of, like, commitment, like, I'm, I'm kind of glad that got installed in me in, like, a manic way, I guess. It was just in there as, like, a baseline framework. I was too formative to let it go, where, like the actions that you take, the things that you do make up the story that you are. And like the people that were, the people that were into the, the people that they found, they ran the cult, um, 
they were very, they talked a lot about it during the cult. And then after I left, they started some other cults. Um, and it got, their rhetoric got a lot more, like they started using the word legacy in their, mm. in title, in titles of things. And, and like they, they address that as a peripheral thing, but the focus point, like to name your next cults with, with words like legacy, that's like, okay, yeah, that was a, a big deal for that guy. And he got to my brain. He got to my brain at just the weirdest time. Um, but yeah, for, for the applicability now, like where I'm at in, in using that framework, because that framework is just kind of there of like, well, that's what commitment is. And that's how virtues work. And like, you know, I don't have, there's just no wiggle room on that. Um, but what I can apply that to, I've been able to redirect at will and, and put together a, a a pretty keen spectrum of things that I'm about. Whereas is, you know, I tend to only get angry when there's a reason to get angry. I don't really like my blood pressure going up and shit. You know, that's who needs that? Who needs negative brain chemistry in this world? We all, we all try to chill the fuck out in this hot, hot world. But if something, if something is going to perpetuate pain and hardship in the world, I can't help but see the, the patterns that play that out, you know, like I can't help right. but like recognize that. And in, in my heart as at the time before I trip somebody's bullshit up, when I'm like, wait a second, we're, wait a second, you think that we are in relationship and this is turning more into a situation ship because there's no relatability between us. Cause I am not being seen when it mm. comes to that moment. I almost never in advance am able to even remotely conceptualize that they are possibly going to fall apart at the because lo- it's always from a place of love and trust to be able to say these kinds of things to people, right? Sometimes there can be fire and rage behind. There can be like a lot of madness and whatever, but like ain't the opposite of love and difference, you know, like that, mm-hmm. right? I think. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think uh, I think this has been a good little talk. Yeah, I like it. We 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 can talk. <laughs> we can, we can. This is a long episode, and it's I'm gonna tack some other stuff onto it. Um, I might maybe I'll do them in separate episodes later. Some follow up stuff because this actually this this was everything I hoped it would be. Goddamn. Oh. Um, okay. yeah. And, and like I said, yeah, it's this, this podcast description, like the, the prayer thing, uh, like, thanks for showing up and like representing that part of the story and like neat, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. yeah. I'm into it. Right. I'm, I'm glad it. anytime you want to talk, I'm always down. We have good, uh, I don't know, you just provoke a lot of good thoughts. I, I'll leave this type of conversation still thinking, still having, like, you know, things, the wheels turning. So I appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's one of the peak compliments. Like, my other peak compliment, the two things that will get me is that, and then when people compliment my meme lording, when they're like, you post the best memes on the internet, that's like, those two, sweet spot. Cool. Yeah, thank you for joining me. Yeah, thank you. Word. We'd like to thank our patrons on Patreon and everyone who's bought our merchandise on TeePublic. 
Find the links to all that stuff and our social links on goodmorningmayberry.com. We've got closed captioned episodes on YouTube. Subscribe, listen, and rate us on all the podcast spots. If you're wondering who we are, we is me and my demons. And you can join the Legion by following our Tumblr, Twitter, or Instagram, jumping on the Patreon, or just buying one of our shirts and wearing that around, drinking the tears of whoever you like the least uh, out of one of our mugs. And uh, coming back and checking out the next episode. I'm Shift. And always remember to never forget, if you emotionally ghost somebody, don't be surprised if they come back later haunting. Boogity boogity.